It was cold. The truck was covered in ice. It was the kind of winter, this winter, that felt like in The, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where C.S. Lewis wrote, it was always winter and never Christmas. And so I had to go to school. So I went out early, and I put my keys in the ignition and turned on the truck, turned on the defrost on high. And then I went inside and got ready for school, gathered up all my stuff. And I'm ready to go, except I can't find them. So I look in the bedroom, and I look in the bathroom, and I look in the kitchen. One minute, two minutes. Okay, and I look in this pocket and that pocket. I look in other pockets. I can't find them. And then it gets a little bit frantic, right? Because you're kind of late, so you're looking under the couch, and you're looking, where, what else could I have worn? And then you stop. And then you do that kind of like I'm mumbling and growling a little bit. And those kind of prayers like, God, God, please, where, you know. And then I stop and I pause and I listen outside to this sound, like this still small voice, which sounded a lot like my truck running. And I thought, maybe, just maybe, my keys could be in there. Uh, and so why do I tell you that story? What we are looking for is not hidden. The answer, if you will, the key is Jesus. And this morning, on the first day of the week, he invites us into a relationship with him. My name is Jonathan. This is Dallas Church. We're glad you're here this morning. I'd love to begin with two questions, so we will. Are you now, or have you ever been, tired, weary, weak, worn out, exhausted, overwhelmed, overscheduled, done, distraught, at your wit's end, burned out, beat down, broken, confused, bankrupt? If you answered yes, you were in the right place this morning. If you answered no, whoa. Um, I... <laughs> Let's talk. I mean, that sounds cool. Like, but I think you're still in the right place. Question number two. Have you ever spun a globe? Any of you ever played kids? This is what Google Earth used to look like. <laughs> Have you ever spun the globe, right? And then you, I'm going to move. Now, if you know a little geography, you can kind of... Uh, Force the issue. I'm going to move here. Oh, okay. And then people are like, well, no, 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 no. And you keep going and you move like that. Um, I will tell you briefly, because my son is here, the one time that I felt briefly like God. I was with my son and he had this tiny globe and we were rolling the ball. This is like a ball that had a globe on it. And we were rolling it back and forth, playing with it. And he looked up on the bookshelf. He said, Daddy's toy. I was like, oh. <laughs> but I am not God. But we do serve a God that created the universe. But there's an old joke. Um, so, have you ever spun a globe? There's a game people play with the Bible. And there's a joke we're going to hear about it. But if you have a Bible, go ahead and take that out. And you can play along here. Have you ever seen somebody do this little game? where they grab the Bible and they... 
And what's kind of fun to do, because this is the Word of God, and there's a lot of great stuff in here, um, but that's pretty sloppy hermeneutics. But there's an old story where there's a business owner, and the business isn't going well, and he doesn't know what to do. And somebody says, well, have you, you, know, have you looked in the Bible? And he's like, I don't looked in the Bible. He's like, yeah, just pick it up, you know, point, see what you find. So he picks up the Bible, skims through, and, and he points to chapter, it says chapter 11. So he files for bankruptcy. And uh, so chapter 11 is a form of, of bankruptcy. And so that's a joke, of course. But often, is it not, that's how we treat the Bible. Here a verse, there a verse. You see, a, you know, Bible verses next to photos or memes or, or things like that. And that's not how we, uh, that's not what we're trying to do here. And that's not what we're going to hopefully do this morning. Um, but my name is Jonathan. This is Dallas Church. We're glad you're here this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, give us ears to hear this morning, courage to obey, the wisdom to be who you made us to be. Help us focus. Help us know how to hold on to the keys that you have given us. Help us turn to you and learn from you and follow you. Amen. So we'll be in Matthew 11 this morning. Um, and it's not a story of bankruptcy, but more of the opposite, um, the a story of fulfillment. Um, Matthew is one of the four Gospels. And if you want to learn about Jesus, that's where you go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell the story of Jesus. As a church, we are continuing reading through Matthew. And uh, here we go. Let's brace ourselves. We're going to hear, real soon, mild rebukes, glowing tributes, words of judgment, and an invitation. So previously, in the book of Matthew, we read about the birth of Jesus, which is Christmas, where God came as a human to a specific... You kind of wonder if like, God was like, okay, where are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> but to a very specific place in a very specific year that Jesus was born. In the book of Matthew, we begin with Christmas. And in the end, skipping ahead, Jesus tells us to go to all of those places to teach what he has commanded us to do and teach, us, teach others what he's taught us. So Jesus... Um, it's Christmas. <laughs> God became flesh on the planet. We heard about John the Baptist in chapter 3, and we'll hear more about him today who prepared the way for Jesus. We heard Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he turned everything upside down. And we saw Jesus as a teacher, a healer, a storyteller, and a miracle maker. And today, he invites us again to come to him. On the first day of the week, I'm glad you're here. Last week, Pastor Ben walked us through chapter 10. His disciples were sent out to teach and heal and drive out demons and draw people to him. Chapter 11, again, begins not with bankruptcy, but with the fulfillment of what John the Baptist was preaching about, which saying the kingdom of God is near. And so here we are, chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, in chapter 10, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. John, who is in prison, hears about this. He asked his disciples to ask Jesus about this. Are you the guy, or is someone else coming? Are you the guy, or is someone else coming? Now, here's the mild rebuke. Jesus tells him, go, 
and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Jesus asked them to connect the dots. Look what we are doing, he says. Am I the one? Yeah, look what we are doing. Jesus is the key, and he's in the ignition, and the truck is running. Why are we looking for another key? Is Jesus the one? Yes, Jesus says. And here's the glowing tribute about John the Baptist in verse 11. And how would you like this in your letter of recommendation? Though I'd be pretty skeptical if I read this. This is Matthew 11, 11. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Wow, all right. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, He is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. John the Baptist, the camel hair wearing, honey and bug eating, (laughs) baptizing prophet in the wilderness. He was the last of a kind. Kind of that last of the Old Testament prophet model. And what's wild is even John the Baptist had questions about Jesus. Even John the Baptist who said, hey, there's somebody coming. He said, well, are you it? John the Baptist was made for the moment he lived in, as are we. And now Jesus and those following after him are showing the world a new way to be God followers. And let us make our prayer, verse 15 this morning, which is, (laughs) he who has ears to hear, let him hear. God gave us those ears to hear. The keys are in the ignition. The truck is running. Stop looking around for something else. John the Baptist was made for the moment he lived in, as are we. And Jesus and his new followers show us a new way to be God followers. But, but not everyone was a big fan of, which is easy, like, it kind of makes sense, right? Not everyone was a big fan of John the Baptist. Right, he's out there eating bugs, eating honey, um, wearing camel hair. And he's in prison, which is another clue. He's about to be beheaded, which is another clue. And Jesus is headed to the cross. Um, Listen to the question and the comparison that Jesus makes in verse 16. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. Jesus is comparing the generation, those alive and around the year 30, to spoiled kids playing a game in the public square. They're never happy. They're never satisfied. Let's play the happy game now. Let's play the sad game now. Laugh when I say laugh. Cry when I say cry. Do it the way I want, when I want. Meet my expectations. The games played in the marketplace in the year 30 are probably different, although they might come back, I don't know, than the games that are going to be played in the year 2030. But the idea is the same. They want, 
these game players, that generation, um, for things to work the way their expectations are. They want them to work how they want them. They want people to look how they want them to look. Um, they want their expectations to be reality. They are not satisfied. What could we compare our generation to in 2023? I struggled with coming up with those comparisons or finding those similar games that we're playing, but Jesus shows us in verse 18, 20, right? He again starts to talk about John and himself in verses 18 and 20. They're really talking about John and Jesus. About John, they said he had a demon. He was weird. Camel hair, honey and bugs for dinner, the wilderness. Maybe he was a false prophet. And Jesus, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners, making wine. Some called him a drunk. John the Baptist and Jesus didn't conform to the expectations of many. And some of the accusations that they had at that time were very serious ones. But let's look at verse 19. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. The proof is in the pudding. A tree is recognized by its fruit. They asked Jesus, are you the one? And he asked them to look at the proof. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, and the poor hear the good news. Wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus is the key. We've heard the mild rebuke and the glowing tribute. And now, speaking of recognizing fruit, Jesus has words of judgment for the cities where he did many miracles. In chapter 11, verse 20 to 24, here Jesus, he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you! And he lists city after city. They had heard the truth. They had seen signs and wonders. And yet they, these cities and those in them, did not repent, did not respond. They knew the key was in the truck. They could hear it running. And still, they didn't get in. They looked for other things. They turned away. What could be said about other, our cities? Woe to you. And then we could play a game where we insert all kinds of cities. Woe to you, Dallas. Will Jesus say, woe to you, Dallas? Are we being the church? Mild rebuke, check. Glowing tribute, check. Words of judgment, check. And now, our invitation. Jesus declared in Matthew eleven twenty five, 25, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. John the Baptist's disciples had a hard time recognizing Jesus for who he was. Many cities where Jesus did miracles of miracles, as much as somebody could do, they struggled to see who Jesus was and respond to him. God, please give us the eyes to see and the courage to respond. We began this morning with this question. Are you now 
Or have you ever been tired, weary, weak, worn out, exhausted, frustrated, overwhelmed, overscheduled, done, distraught, at your wit's end, burned out, beat down, broken, confused, bankrupt? Is it too heavy? If you handed someone a Bible and asked them to skim through it and point to a verse, this is not great Bible reading tactic, but you could do worse than landing on Matthew 11, 28, 30, the end of Matthew. And let's look now at the end of Matthew, at the invitation. Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I've always wrestled with that verse and those words easy and light. And especially in moments when it doesn't feel that way, right? Um, Now a yoke, and this analogy never really connected with me because I've never yoked anything together. You know, anybody have oxen in here? Any oxen? So a yoke was a wooden frame and you used to connect animals that would pull things. Um, Dallas Willard said that the secret to the easy yoke is to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And we'll look a little more at that in a second. But have any of you ever moved furniture, something heavy? And it's fun to watch people do that. Sometimes younger, younger folks, usually you can see them do that. Let's say we have a piano or something big. And have you ever started to lift before the other people did? Right? And it's not moving. It's not moving at all. And then... When people say one, two, three, and everybody moves, oh, it's not that hard. Or have you ever been trying to hold something up that other people already carried the weight of? Right? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dallas Willard said that the secret to the easy yoke is to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Now, how do you know if you've done that? Adopted the lifestyle of Jesus? Well, you spend time with Jesus. I've benefited greatly from reading Eugene Peterson. And he wrote a translation of the Bible called The Message. And this is what he says and writes about the end of Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Walk with me, Jesus said. Work with me, Jesus said. Watch how I do it. All of these ways of saying, follow me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. On my desk at home, there's a typewriter. It has those six words. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And they've been sitting there for a long time. And my hope was that I would learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I would be able to stand up here and tell you how that works. Um, but underneath, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. It's just more white space. So much of life can feel forced, heavy, off, 
out of tune, out of sync, out of rhythm. A few years ago in school, we entered, I hate this word, asynchronous. You know, have you heard this word? Anybody around a school, right? Which meant you're doing something while, while other people are doing something else, right? I think the year, I think the number one movie of the year, the best picture was this year in 2023 was everything, everywhere, all at once. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I can't tell you how to do that, but I can tell you, like Jesus tells us, the way you learn is to spend time with the teacher that knows. And this is going to be a short sermon, so you're going to have a chance to talk to people after. But there are people in this room that know things and that can teach you things. And you know things that you can teach others. Um, and if we want to learn how to live, where do we go? We go to Jesus. And Jesus invites us. He says, come to me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Are you tired, worn out, burned out? Jesus is the key. Stop searching for other things. Stop picking up burdens, yoking yourself, connecting to other things other than Jesus. Come to me, Jesus says. Learn from me, he says. Follow me, he says. Next week, we're going to dive into chapter 12 together. Will you pray with me this morning? Lord, teach us to learn the unforced rhythm of grace. Lord, please put the right people in our lives. Teach us to trust you and follow you and learn from you. Help us be the church. Amen.